Welcome back to episode 37 of Inside Atlanta Football. I'm Matt Daniels, the sports editor of the News Gazette, sporting some Wisconsin red across the way here. Beat writer Scott Ritchie, defend yourself, young Scott. Well, one, it's not Wisconsin red. <laughs> it's it's a red shirt. And two, like I can wear whatever I want. <laughs> How about that? Um, although on game days, and this dates back to our time at EIU, mm-hmm. I tried to go color neutral. Something we learned in J school back in the day. Yeah. So it would be no red, no blue. No, I don't really own any orange. No gray. I could I could wear gray. You could now, wear gray. Because Illinois won't be wearing gray. Finally, the gray ghost uniform era has ended. Yeah, and I never got that. Let's just, I'm going to start there. I mean, I know it was like to, to honor Red Grange. Um and maybe he looked like he was wearing gray in photos because they didn't have color photography back then. But his jersey was orange and blue. I've seen it. I mean, the actual one he wore, mm-hmm. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and his nickname, like this, like they say, the gray ghost jersey, he was the galloping ghost. True. And ghosts are maybe gray. The Iceman from Wheaton. The Wheaton Iceman. Yeah. I mean, I just, I never understood the gray. Definitely didn't understand why, like, basketball took up that mantle with, like, I mean, their gray uniforms were even worse than football until you mentioned this to me like a month ago scott i had i completely forgot that basketball wore gray uniforms for yeah, a, it a was brief, brief period of time and then as soon as brad underwood was hired they were thrown into the fire pit along with the zigzags yeah anything zigzag related jerseys graphics on the wall did not last okay i mean for a reason did he literally have like a bonfire no i ju- i do know though that like the graphics on the wall at Ubin, like all the zigzag pattern, was ripped down immediately. Um, First day in, uh, maybe. I mean, maybe <laughs> it was it was very early in that tenure. It was just awful. Um, so, you know, Brett Bielma has been very, you know, wanting to have a recognizable brand look for Illinois football uniforms, and gray ain't it. No, I get it. I mean, uh, 2014, first year they unveiled those monstrosities. Uh, they won. They beat upset Minnesota on homecoming, and then they stuck with it every season since then. Never understood why. I get it. I mean, I understood why apparently the players like them. But I, I mean, just from like an aesthetic standpoint, like they weren't that interesting. You're hard to read the numbers. Also, too, they would wear them on homecoming. The one game I think you want to have an identifiable, this is what our team looks like, the majority of the season, they wore those uniforms yeah, for seven Yeah, and like you've got alums coming back, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, and filling the stands, and you know who's not wearing gray? Anybody else. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I get like James McCourt. He was wearing gray when he kicked the game-winning field goal against Wisconsin two years ago. People but. are going to look at that photo 50, 75 years from now and wonder what the heck, why was he wearing a gray <laughs> uniform? Is something wrong with the photo? Yeah. <laughs> did, did they have color photos back in 2019? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a curious decision way back when, but one that has been mercifully taken out behind the woodshed and shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're off and rolling here on Inside Atlanta Football. Always good when you start off about uniform discussion. Then Scott Ritchie could do a whole podcast. I always on, have opinions. On uniforms. Um, Homer Johnson over there, I mean, since he's, uh, <laughs> you'll find, <laughs> you'll find out in, uh, you find out if you've already gone to LineHQ.com today, but the uh, Big Ten Media Days is on Thursday for basketball. I know this is a football podcast, but 
basketball season is almost here and a lot of people care about that sport anyway scott was part of the big 10 media panel that voted on preseason honors illinois ranked third in the preseason poll they got three first place votes out of the 28 member panel and homer johnson over here gave illinois, gave illinois I, I, one i was of one of the three i was i mean not surprised that michigan and purdue also got first place votes because like that makes a lot of sense uh was maybe maybe I shouldn't have been surprised because you know, Illinois is from all the national writers has been behind those two teams, but uh, didn't expect it to be thirteen first place votes for Michigan, twelve for Purdue. They actually tied points wise, and then three for Illinois. Um, the Illinois votes were mine, uh, Jeremy Warner from Illinois Enquirer, and then Dylan Burkhart from UM Hoops Top umhoops.com so uh, at least it just it wasn't two yeah um, unlike the <laughs> <laughs> unlike you know, hold on hold on scott Adam, don't don't spoil it for our listeners kofi coburn named preseason big 10 player of the year scott correctly voted for kofi on 11 of 28 first place or votes for that honor also they have a uh, all big 10 team five players that's it andre cabello got two votes one from homer johnson <laughs> And the other from Jeremy Warner. <laughs> Homer so, Johnson Jr. I'm kidding, Jeremy, for listening. I'm kidding. I, and, like, we had sort of discussed, Jeremy, Jeremy and I had discussed this a week ago. It was like, I think there were, like, four pretty much, you know, kind of lock guys mm-hmm. for preseason All-Big Ten. Kofi, um, EJ Liddell at Ohio State, Hunter Dickinson Michigan. Um, I guess both of us considered Trevian Williams over Trace Jackson Davis, Purdue over Indiana there. It was like, for the fifth spot, it was like, Andre Garbello, he was the sixth man of the year in the Big Ten last year. He's good. Brad Underwood was at the Esquire Monday night talking about an All-American season for Curbelo. Not out of the picture. So uh, I felt validated, but, you know, and I felt like it was the right move to make by voting for Andre. And you know, the rest of the, <laughs> the voters just didn't really agree. All right, Scott, we're nearly 10 minutes into episode 37 of Inside Atlanta Football as we record this on a on a gray Wednesday afternoon, October 6th. Yes, my dates are correct. And we've buried the lead, Scott. We've talked about uniforms for football. We've talked preseason, all Big Ten basketball. We haven't mentioned once yet that it's Bielema Bowl week. Yeah, and... Correct this. It was funny, uh, Monday, you know, the, the typical press conference with the coordinators and... Uh, Brad Bielma, Ryan Walters was the first who's like, you know, we should all probably just address the elephant in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Coach Bielma used to coach at Wisconsin because I don't think we, no no one had mentioned it at that point. Um, So he's like, yeah, it it happened. And, you know, it's just, you know, Brad Bielma answered questions about his time at Wisconsin, but he is very much on the, the path that, you know, he obviously had success with the Badgers. Enjoyed his time in Madison. All of that is in his past. He doesn't refer to him as the school up north, does he? It's no, like and he likes he mentioned Wisconsin by name, which okay. I wasn't sure he do because at various points in the last what nine, ten months, like he he's alluded to Wisconsin as that the other program I used to coach at. It's like, man, we know what you're talking about. <laughs> like you just say Wisconsin, and he did uh, on Monday. Although he, he slipped in one of the. You know, the, that other program. I was like, and 
you know, his time at Wisconsin has informed, I think, the coach that he is now. Uh, but he, he's evolved. He was, what, 36 when he became? Brash, confident, some would say cocky, yeah, and arrogant at times. Now he's 51 with married. Like all 36-year-olds are, though. I'm about to be 36, so I guess I... We'll see what happens. Well, yeah, see what happens next year. Yeah, but now you know, Brett Bielma's 51. He's married. He has two you know, little daughters. You know, he's a, a different guy and uh, a different coach in a way, but if you look at what Illinois has done the last two weeks, um, you know, at Purdue, then at home against Charlotte, where he's maybe not changed is you know, embracing the idea of what Big Ten football is, and that's give it to your running back and then do it again. And... A again. few more times. Again. Like 26 times. To Chase Brown. Or 24 times to Josh McCray the previous week. Yeah. So. Who's who's RB1 for Illinois right now, Scott? You've got, you've got Chase Brown who won Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Or uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. Hold on. Let's pump the brakes on that. Yeah, there's Big, probably going to be a little more competition for the, the Big Ten Offensive honor. Player of the Week after his 257 rushing yards and two touchdowns to help Illinois beat Charlotte 24-14. This past Saturday, an impressive 31-yard touchdown run uh, midway through the third quarter that kind of swung the game back in Illinois' favor after a lackluster first two-and-a-half quarters by the Illini. Made it 17-14, and then Chase Brown showed off his speed with an 80-yard touchdown run down the, the sidelines in front of the east side of Memorial Stadium. Second most rushing yards at Memorial Stadium by an Illini. Uh, Howard Griffith had 263 against Northwestern, uh, November 24th, 1990. Uh, fourth most all time in program history, Mikel Deshore had 330 against Northwestern in the 2010 season in that infamous one way game at Wrigley Field in Chicago. And then Robert Holcomb, the program's all time rushing leader, had 315 in a road game at Minnesota at the old Hubert Humphrey Metrodome in 1996. I like the Metrodome. Yeah. Looked like a giant baggie on top. Yeah, an interesting building. And then when like the doors opened afterwards, like you were essentially like sucked out of the venue with the change in air pressure. It's true. I experienced that at a Twins game. But uh, that's all a long way to say. Chase Brown is your number one running back. Okay. Uh, you know, Josh McCray obviously had a terrific game at Purdue, but Chase Brown was the number one coming out of the spring, number one heading into fall camp, number one coming out of fall camp, except for the fact that he got hurt. He had a shoulder injury in camp, which limited him. You know, against Nebraska in the opener, he had five carries. Didn't play until the second quarter. Yeah, week zero. Um, missed a, has missed a couple games. Now he's healthy and showed what he can do when he's healthy. You know, behind an offensive line that run blocks pretty well. At least you know that's probably their strength. And he remains number one. You know, Josh McCray is a rather capable. Number two, then. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what will transpire on Saturday afternoon. 2.30 p.m. kick against the struggling Wisconsin Badgers. Um, I don't think many of us could have predicted that going into Saturday's homecoming game here in Champaign that Illinois would have more wins than Wisconsin. At this point, granted, Illinois played two more games than Wisconsin. Illinois sitting at 2-4 and four overall. One and two in the Big Ten. Wisconsin's at the bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten West, and one and three, zero oh and two. But I looked in my 
News Gazette the other day, Scott, where we run the the betting odds on football games, and Wisconsin's the favorite. Explain. And they've become even more a favorite you know, as the week has progressed. Yeah, I think it Disrespectful. opened. It opened at what an eight point line, I believe, with Wisconsin favored. Now it's up to ten. It's just disrespectful. I mean. I'll, and that happens because a lot of people bet on Wisconsin when it opened at 8. So the line has adjusted. You know, don't they remember what happened in 2019? I mean, I guess they don't. And I suppose they haven't been paying attention to Wisconsin going 1-3 and three to start the year. I mean, however. Granted. Grant, but there's always a but. There's which is three never, losses are all to ranked teams. At the time, ranked teams. Yeah. Are they not all ranked anymore? No, they still are. You're right. Okay. Never mind. Wisconsin was ranked in two of those losses. They're not ranked anymore. No. Well, you don't stay ranked if you're you mean you, the win against Eastern Michigan means nothing? No. Well, Eastern Michigan beat Illinois. Yeah, that's when the loss means more. Okay. The, like if, like say if Illinois would have beat Eastern Michigan that season, same year, 2019, uh, would mean nothing. Man, if, they, if Illinois would have beaten Eastern Michigan that season, you're looking at a winning season. Illinois maybe 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 hear me out here maybe Lovey Smith's still the coach yeah but if they beat Eastern Michigan do they have the same type of run they did where they win what four in a row maybe yeah. butterfly all started wins. with the win against Wisconsin James McCourt doesn't have to buy a drink and champagne the rest of his life I think Illinois was two and four. I guess with NIL, like I, you could probably accept drinks now. I don't oh, yeah. know. I feel well, like no, I feel like he needs to have an Irish whiskey, you know, like Conor McGregor, like yeah. That, well, he can't because that's yeah, against that's, the state yeah. law. Even Illinois. though he is of legal drinking age. Yeah. I digress, but anyway, the ten point line it's maybe high because Wisconsin, while well, it is shown to be stout. Defensively, particularly against the run. I mean, they're like really against the run. They're the best run defense in the country. Yeah, uh, they're giving up forty-five point three yards per game. It's not like teams are just maybe not running against them because it's one point six yards per carry. So essentially, what you're saying is on that eighty-yard touchdown run by Chase Brown, just stop it at forty-five yards right there, and that's all Illinois would will, will, will get this week. If you, total, if you for all go, four quarters, if you just go by the numbers. But that's why they play the game. That's why they play the game. Uh, but Wisconsin o- offense has been abysmal. So, like a ten-point line, it's been unmerciful. Let's see what you did there. <laughs> Although, you know, Graham Mertz is questionable that for hurts. the game after suffering a, you know, probably you know, his ribs were at least bruised, if not broken. Um, but and his favorite. Tight end Jake Ferguson questionable as well, and those two tore up Illinois last season in an empty Camp Randall Stadium. Yeah, um, things that are different from that game. Uh, Graham Mertz has he looked like a Heisman Trophy winner in that game. Fans will be in the stands this Saturday. Um, yeah, and he's certainly Graham Mertz is if he plays, mm-hmm. he's been awful essentially since that that Illinois game. And also, Derek Smith probably won't be playing as much at safety. Jake Ferguson enjoyed. Being very wide open, mm-hmm. so you know, the, I think it's going to be a close game. It's, it's, uh, if it's not a repeat of what Illinois and Purdue did a couple weeks ago, I will be surprised. Like I said, 
in our pre-production meeting. First team to 14 points wins. So if Brandon Peters, what's the over-under on how many passes he attempts on Saturday for Illinois to pull off a win? I say if he throws more than 20, that's not a good sign. He was 10 of 18 for a whopping 79 yards. Yeah. Um, yeah, if he throws Charlotte. more than 20 times, uh, that's that's a loss. Okay. Probably. I don't know. Like At some point, Brandon Peters is going to have to complete you know, a higher percentage of his passes. At least he got over 50% against Charlotte. Golf clap. Um, but doing that against Charlotte clearly doesn't mean much because Brad Bielmo is like, Brabillon was mad. We didn't come the, here to win. He was he was ticked off. Charlotte, like they he just won ten wins. He just won his second game. He just got one win. He's one win away from a hundred in his career, and he didn't he didn't seem real happy about that after Saturday's game, Scott. Well, I think the expectation was that they would beat Charlotte, and again, uh, on one hand, this only football program hasn't done a lot of winning in the last forever. Um, <laughs> So, you know, celebrate that a little bit. On the other, it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot on, in the bigger picture. It's like if you beat Charlotte and then get trounced in Big Ten play, I mean, those are the games that are, are really important. So, like, it's Saturday. It's, it's an important game. Bielma Bowl, notwithstanding. but Must-win territory? Illinois is in must-win territory. The playoffs start now for the Illinois. The rest of the season. Like, I mean, in theory, you know, bowl game's still on the table. Mathematically, in reality, so you're, you're saying there's a chance. Uh, there is a small, infinitesimal chance. All right, let's go rapid fire here. We're we're halfway through the Illinois season, sitting at two and four, going into Saturday's game against Wisconsin. We've got six games left. We've talked all along. The second half of the schedule is daunting for the Illini. They've got Wisconsin, then they're off. This week, as Ed Bond nods off to sleep here. Anyway, they're off next week. Got Penn State at Penn State, October 23rd. Home against Rutgers for the annual Illinois Rutgers Bowl game. They've played seven times since 2015. I believe that's correct. Uh, It's the Art Sikowski Bowl, the next home game. And, I mean, yeah, it's... It'd be tough to get wins. Well, and then the, and then November they go to Minnesota. Who's? I mean, they're losing at home to Bowling Green, but so. they just beat Purdue. Yeah, which Illinois didn't do. Would so? Yeah. Then they're off. So Illinois fans can enjoy a two and zero start to Brad Underwood's basketball season. Then they go to Iowa. That'd be rough. And then they. End at home against Northwestern and for the, the fighting Fitzgerald. Four thousand people show up. Game. <laughs> there could be a lot more of Illinois seven and four. Scott playing for an Outback Bowl spot. Hmm. Where's the Outback Bowl? It's in Florida, Tampa. It'd be a nice January first place for you to go, Scott. Then you get to hop on a plane and go to Minneapolis on <laughs> January second to cover Illinois basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Take the red eye out of Tampa. Scott, yeah. Ed, Ed has done that, so it can be done. Yeah. Um, 
What are some bowl games that are maybe not back-to-back with a basketball Quick game? Lane Bowl, Detroit. Hard pass. In between Bragging Rights and Florida A&M. Hard pass. Um, it's just, yeah. There's a chance that it all works out for Illinois. They did it two years ago. No one, no one saw it coming except those 120 guys inside the Smith Center. It's us against the world. Yeah. Although Illinois was, what, 31-point underdogs? Are we going to see Jake Hansen smoke a cigar after Saturday's game like he did two years ago? I mean, I, if there's ever a time to beat Wisconsin again, I mean, it's it's now. Like, this is a... They're ripe for the picking. Yeah. Will it happen? Yeah, we'll see. Cause, I mean, the one thing that... The only thing that Wisconsin's done well is stop the run. The only thing that Illinois has done well offensively is run the football. One of those two things, I mean... It's going to knock heads. Well, if there were if there was a bowl season for sports writers who pick college football games, uh, Scott would be in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I've already qualified. He's six and zero on the season. Almost got the score correct last Saturday. Had Illinois winning for only the second time this season, right? So you had him beating Nebraska. That's true. Had a twenty four twenty one prediction. Thanks, Wheel Healy. Only missed it by a touchdown. Yeah, I, I will say that WCAA's Brett Barons correctly predicted the score. Okay, and I told Brett, like, man, if I if I was right, I would be telling everyone <laughs> in the post game press conference room. Like, you need to brag about that a little more. So, what's the score Saturday? Who so wins? What's the score Saturday? <sighs> I don't even think you've have you thought about this much, Scott. I haven't. No. You've been on full basketball mode this week. He's, folks, he's recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, and he's got to get up bright and early. Will not the sun even won't be out. No, it's like it's up. just going to be early, dark and early, dark and early before he drives to Indianapolis on Thursday to see Brett under Brad Underwood for the third time in the last six days. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I'm all about basketball season. So I guess just to pull a score out of nowhere for this football game against Wisconsin, I'm going to say dramatic pause. It's because I'm trying to come up with something, Wisconsin. 17. Ooh. Illinois 14. Ooh. So you're saying it's going to be close and competitive until the end. Yeah. I mean. Which begs the. It'll age, be close. I mean, competitive, I guess, in theory, but. Which begs the can't age old question be we, we've discussed before. Would, if you're an Illinois fan, would you rather have it be close and lose in the end or have it be over by halftime so you can get on with the rest of your day? I think close and competitive till the yeah. end. I don't and again, I'm just I'm honestly not sure Wisconsin can score more than 20 points. That's a, yeah, and I think they'll slow down Illinois' run game enough where the onus is going to be on Brandon Peters, and he also has not shown me that he can really do much at that quarterback spot. Right now, we got our Big Ten football page running in Friday's news gazette this week, where I make my picks on this week's games. I haven't done that yet and sat down, but I'm I'm tempted to pick Illinois. I really am. But I'm not going to do it. Uh, I got Wisconsin 27, Illinois 17. You're giving Chase Wolf a lot of credit there. And Chase Wolf, for anyone that has no idea who that is, and me you know, included, a lot of you, that's Wisconsin's backup quarterback. Don't mess with the Wolf. His 11 uh, passing attempts last week when he replaced Mertz are more than he had the previous two seasons combined. He hasn't played a lot. I'm just trying to, all I'm saying. What they say in the Hangover, the the Wolf Pack. Yeah, I, I'm not it's been sure. A while. <laughs> I'm not sure Jay's Wolf has like that much cachet that he's got to 
a wolf pack. I wouldn't want to be Paul Chris though to head back to Madison one and four. Even got a new boss. It's Barry true. Alvarez isn't around anymore, although they named the field after him at Camp Randall. I assume Barry's still like making most of the major decisions though. Yeah. Probably. Still, you He's still around. You wouldn't go you go one in four Wisconsin hasn't been this bad since nineteen ninety. That's a long time. They definitely don't want to head back to they don't want to drive to Willard Saturday evening for their short flight home. For their twelve minute flight back to Madison. Paul Chris just says walk home. Find a way. Or is that what he's told? <laughs> that may be <laughs> true as well. No, it's, I mean, I think it'll be a competitive game just because this is not what Wisconsin's been. And Illinois defensively has shown improvement. Like a run game is pretty good. But I think they're still handcuffed by the fact that, like, Wisconsin knows that they're just going to run the ball. And it's the ideal time for tailgaters, the non-ideal time for sports riders like Scott, 230 kick. I mean, it's better than some alternatives, but like that just kills your day. I'm gonna sp- mostly spend my day on campus. So there's an open Illinois basketball practice. I like how you weave basketball back into the football podcast, yeah. Scott. Is that all we're gonna talk about in November if Illinois loses their next couple games? I mean, this is called Inside Illini Football, Scott. It's a second episode of Inside Illini Basketball <laughs> per week. <laughs> all right. Uh, but, yeah. So I mean. It's a big Saturday. You, know, you can go to this open Homecoming. practice at State Farm Center at 8.30. Check the parade out. Mary Henson, Grand Marshal. Yeah. Um, so that's Saturday. Got the tailgating. Got the game. Be a nice little Saturday. All right. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks to all those who listen. Follow our coverage at linehq.com and in the pages of the News Gazette. For Ed Bond, Scott Ritchie, I'm Matt Daniels. We'll see you next week.